morning. I want to welcome you again and also welcome the um, all those who are online watching this morning. Uh, it's good to have you with us as well. And um, you know, I just praise God for His presence. Uh, praise God for His Holy Spirit that is um, that is working in our midst and that is with us this morning. So I don't realize um, sometimes, and I, I think none of us do, how precious that is to have the Holy Spirit with us. It's so precious. I want to get uh, right into things this morning. Um, as uh, I have a, a lot of ground to cover um, with this sermon. Um, just This is just uh, facts that you don't need to know, but <laughs> um, my notes normally have about 1,250 words. I have 1,550 words today, so pray for me. Have you ever have you ever traded something? I think most of us have probably traded something, right? Um, when you trade something, usually the idea is usually to get something better than what you traded, right? Uh, you know, case in point, we take a we take a car to be traded in, and we we're thinking we're going to trade in our car. We're never thinking we're going to trade in this really nice car for something that's really a piece of junk, right? Sometimes the other way around, you know, um, drag it in, pull it in, you know, whatever <laughs> the case may be. Um, do you know that God expects us to um, to be traders? And let me let me define that. Um, not not trading in what we don't want. Okay. Uh, that's not the way God wants us to be traders. He doesn't expect us to be giving him the things that we don't want. Uh, he doesn't want the leftovers, right? He doesn't want the sludge at the bottom of the barrel, right? Right? <laughs> That's the whole concept. If you, if you go back into the Bible, you really go throughout the whole entire Word of God. You'll see that uh, this this is over and over again. God is asking for first fruits. He's asking for total surrender. He's asking for like a, a complete uh, a complete surrender, a total surrender, a complete submission. And uh, and and I just want to say, you know, don't ever don't ever get convinced that God just wants a sliver of your life. Because that is, that's not what the Bible tells us. The Bible doesn't tell us that, that God just wants a sliver or just wants a meager portion. Uh, the Bible doesn't communicate that. Uh, he definitely wants us to be bringing him our best. And in essence, you know, being a trader, you're trading God your best. And what you're doing is you're giving it all to him. And what you receive in return um, is really quite amazing. Now, please don't, please don't think that I'm going to 
uh, stand up here this morning and give you any kind of a, of a message that sounds like prosperity gospel, because that's not what I'm doing. I, I, don't, I don't believe that. I don't really believe that's what the Word of God tells us. And so I, I'm not saying that if you, if you are faithful uh, to give such and such that God will bless you with this and that and this and the other. Um, you know, a lot of people have a tendency to give and, and there's a motive behind their giving. And the motive is, I think that if I give the right way that I'll get the promotion or I'll get the, the, the new car or I'll get a bonus or, you know, uh, there's an idea that if they give in certain ways that God will bless them in that way in return. That's not what I'm saying this morning. When I'm talking about trading with God and I'm talking about giving him our, our all, our best, our first fruits, a complete surrender, a total surrender. Uh, and then I say that when we do that, God will give us back in return things that will amaze us. I'm talking about something different. Something more substantial than a bonus. <laughs> more substantial than uh, a new car or anything like that. Do you remember the rich young ruler? Uh, some of you have probably heard that story. Uh, some of you maybe haven't. But, but the, the thing is, in the Bible, there's this story about this rich young ruler that he, come, he comes to Jesus and he's really interested uh, with Jesus, and he wants to know he's he wants to know what he must do to have eternal life, what he must do to uh, to to have this this eternal life and, and being a part of this kingdom that God is talking about. And eventually, and we're not going to go to the scripture, but the scripture reference for that is on the bottom of your handout this morning. It's on the bottom of the digital bulletin for those of you who are watching online. That scripture reference is there on the bottom. You can read that. It's suggested reading. Uh, that's not what we're going to cover today. But, um, but I want to mention it because it ties in so well. And this actually was a scripture that I was wrestling with. I was thinking about using that. And then I chose another. But, but here's the thing. that He, he really wanted to know to, from Jesus what, what it was he needed to do to have eternal life. And what happens is... The, the conversation eventually comes around to uh, Jesus telling him to sell all of his belongings and give to the poor and then come and follow me. <laughs> and he says, and your treasure will be great in heaven. That's what he tells him. Trade holding on to your stuff for following me. Now, sadly, if you read through that scripture text, Sadly, we know from the story that the young ruler went away grieving because the word says he had many possessions. Okay? That's what the word says, that he went away grieving because he had many possessions. Here's the way I interpret that. He went away grieving because his possessions had him. Okay? I, I believe that his possessions had his heart. And, and I ask, what, would, uh, what if he would have traded in the possessions 
for following Jesus, do you think he would have been disappointed? Do, do you think that he ever would have gotten to the point where uh, maybe, you know, six months, uh, a year after following Jesus, that, that he, you know, was just like sitting there one day and thinking, I just, I wish I still had my gold and silver. I don't think that he would have. In my opinion, I don't think that he ever would have come to that point where he sat back and thought, you know what, I did the wrong thing here. I wish I would have kept my stuff. I think that he would have quickly forgot about his gold and silver. And the reason that I think that is because I believe that as he traded in that for following Jesus, he would have received abundantly above and beyond all that he could ask or imagine. I, I really believe that if he would have uh, done what Jesus told him to do and followed Jesus, that he would have actually experienced uh, things that he never thought he would see. He would have probably experienced things uh, that Jesus was teaching that challenged him to his core, that caused him to think, this is really what life is about, and would have brought just a, a, all kinds of light into his life to understand why he was living, what his purpose was. I, I believe he would have received so much if he would have just let go of those possessions like Jesus asked him to do. But like I said, he held tightly onto those things. So when we trade with God, he's asking for our best. He's asking for our first fruits. When we trade with God, he's, he's asking us to come with, with open hands, not clenched, clenched fists. But when we trade with God, he's asking for us to trust him in the deal. Okay? So, so when you go to, um, when you go to a, a, a car dealership and you walk onto that piece of property and the car dealer, uh, the, the salesperson comes your way and they begin to interact with you, uh, isn't it refreshing if you get a sense that you can trust them? Trust them in the deal, right? That's refreshing. It, you, you get a, a piece about it. You, you, you feel better about it. Well, I'm asking you this morning, can you trust God in the deal? <laughs> Amen. I want to take you this morning to one of the best trades that was ever made. Okay? One of the best trades that was ever made. All right? And for those of you who are sports fans, I'm not going to talk about Donovan Mitchell, okay? Some of you Cavs fans get that. Some of you are like, who in the world is Donovan Mitchell? Yeah. Now, this is found in the scriptures. Uh, it's found in John, chapter 6. John 6, 1 through 14. See, I, I was going to talk about the rich young ruler, and then the Lord led me to talk about the feeding of the 5,000. We mentioned it last week, and I thought, ah, we've we got to do more than mention it. We need to dig into it a little bit. So I'm going to ask you if you'll stand with me. This keeps us all vibrantly awake. And I appreciate you standing for the word. 
going to read 1 through 14. After this, Jesus crossed the Sea of Galilee, or Tiberias. A huge crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was performing by healing the sick. Jesus went up a mountain and sat down there with his disciples. Now the Passover, a Jewish festival, was near. So when Jesus looked up and noticed a huge crowd coming toward him, he asked Philip, where will we buy bread so that these people can eat? He asked this to test him, for he himself knew what he was going to do. Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread wouldn't be enough to eat for each of them to have a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? So Jesus said, Have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place. So they sat down. The men numbered about 5,000. Then Jesus took the loaves, and after giving thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated, so also with the fish as much as they wanted. When they were full, he told his disciples, collect the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. So they collected them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces from the five barley loaves that were left over for those, by those who had eaten. When the people saw the sign he had done, they said, this truly is the prophet who is to come into the world. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. First of all, I want to say that one of the reasons that we can trust God to do the unexpected when we trade with him is because we've seen him do it before. Now, if we look at verse 2, it's interesting because verse 2, uh, it, it says, a huge crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was performing by healing the sick. So you look at verse 2, these people who uh, had been following Jesus had witnessed what he could do. They had witnessed him doing these things that were miraculous, that were amazing. And so... Uh, if you see somebody doing some things that are really miraculous and amazing, you know, healing blind people, uh, healing leprous people, you know, casting uh, demons out of, of people, you know, when you see something like that, it's pretty interesting and you have a tendency to follow along. I want to see what else he'll do. I want to see what else that this, this prophet, this man of God is going to do. And that's what these people were doing. They were following along because they had witnessed some things that Jesus was doing. And I want to say this morning that we have been witnesses to what God can do. I got one amen. Have you been a witness to what God can do? You know, we experience miracles of healing. And, and, I've, and I've witnessed those things. I've witnessed people healed of diseases. I've, I've witnessed people um, taken in for surgery with, uh, with a, a, a diagnosis of it, it's not going to be good, you know. It, and they've come out of that surgery and the doctors were amazed. Th there was a surgery that I was present at one time as a pastor and I prayed for the person. They went in uh, and... 
and it was, it was a long surgery. They finally came out. They were giving us, you know, the report of what was going on and, and how the surgery went. And the doctor, who I believe was a believer, um, because I'm not sure he'd talk like this if he wasn't, but, but the doctor looked at the family and said, I got to be honest, there was a moment in time in that surgery that I didn't know what to do. And he said, I felt like the hands of God grabbed a hold of my hands and started to do the work. <laughs> I'm telling you, when you hear that, when you hear a doctor say that, that's pretty significant. That's pretty significant. So we've seen these things. We've seen uh, miracles. We've seen uh, unexpected miracles of provision. And, and, and I, I couldn't begin to tell you the times, Barbie and I, when we got married, we weren't. Financially, we shouldn't have got married. All right? <laughs> we shouldn't have. Financially, we were not ready. We were not good at all financially. So when we, write, when we first got married, we, we struggled. I mean, we struggled hard. And there were times it was like, you know, how are we going to pay this bill? And we weren't telling people. We weren't telling people anything. You know, because whatever, you want to call it uh, pride, whatever. We weren't talking to people. We weren't telling people that we needed money or anything. And we were, what, how are we going to pay this bill? And all of a sudden, someone would come up to us at church and hand us an envelope. There's money in it. And it's for the bill. It's like the amount of money for the bill. You know? We would come home and there would be five bags of groceries on our doorstep because we didn't really have money to buy groceries. I was putting, I was buying groceries with my Discover card. I'm looking at Scott and Scott's like, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> we, we had a mess and we were struggling but God, even though he was gracious to us, we didn't deserve to have those kind of things happening for us. But God graciously put it on people's heart to put groceries on our step. See, we have witnessed God do amazing things. We have witnessed God do miraculous things. And so when you talk about the provision of God and the, the miracles of God, the restoration of God, all of these types of things, you know that we serve a God that we can trust in the trade because we know that whatever he, we give him, he can take care of us. And many times he does it in miraculous ways. And we've seen it over and over again. Now, I also want you to see and believe and believe that Jesus knows your needs before you ask him. Right? Now, if you go to verse 5, verse 5 says, So when Jesus looked up and noticed a huge crowd coming toward him, he asked Philip, Where will we buy bread so these people can eat? <laughs> See, Jesus noticed the need, didn't he? He noticed that there was a need in these people. He noticed that these people were hungry. And, and so when I see that, when I see that Jesus perceives our needs, he perceives what's going on in our lives, and he knows what's happening in our lives. Jesus knew they were hungry because he knew their needs and he cared 
about their needs. It would have been easy for Jesus to say, you know, he had built up all this notoriety. He had 5,000 people following him. I mean, people were like, everybody wanted to be close to Jesus. It would have been really easy for him to become self-absorbed, right? But he wasn't. He was looking for the needs of others. He was perceiving the needs of others. And so uh, the, the perception that he had was he perceived what was going on in their lives. And so he perceives what's going on in our lives. He knows what's going on in our lives. He cares enough to pay attention to our basic needs. Furthermore, he didn't leave it up to, uh, to them to fend for themselves. He wanted to provide for them. And so he asked Philip, where can we buy bread for all of these people to eat? <laughs> now, this made me think. What if we were walking through Talmadge, okay? We're walking through Talmadge, and we're, you know, as we're walking through Talmadge, uh, people start falling, and all of a sudden, we've got 5,000 people following us, walking through Talmadge. <laughs> You're running? <laughs> It's a crazy thought, right? 5,000 people walking through Talmadge, following us. In, and we end up at the circle. And we get to the circle, and I look at Pastor Doug, and I say to Pastor Doug, Pastor Doug, where, where are we going to buy uh, food for all these people to eat? <laughs> this is what Jesus asked Philip. Now, if you look at verse 6, it says that he did this to test him because Jesus knew what he was going to do. Okay? So Doug says, now I'm not going to, I don't believe Doug would say this, but let's just pretend that Doug would say, it's not in the budget. <laughs> right? I actually think Doug would say, I don't know, let's figure it out, but... But uh, let's pretend that Doug says it's not in the budget, all right? That's basically what Philip said. Philip said uh, it would take two-thirds year's wages because he said it would take 200 denarii. 300 denarii was considered a year's wages for a normal man back in that day. So basically, Philip was saying uh, it would take two-thirds of a year's wages to buy enough bread for these people to just have a small bite each one of them, to have a small bite. So that's what his answer is. Now, as Philip is saying this, Andrew walks up and says, hey, I found a boy. He's got uh, five loaves and two fish. I think at that point, it doesn't say this in the scriptures, but I think at that point, Philip's like, yeah, so? Like, what's that going to do for us, you know? That's kind of why I like The Chosen. You've ever watched The Chosen? They kind of like uh, show the disciples' reactions to things, you know, what they think, they, how they're reacting. Now, Jesus, without even missing a beat, says, have the people sit down. Yeah. The boy had an amazing lunch. <laughs> if you think about it, the boy had an amazing lunch. He had five loaves of, of uh, bread and Two fish, that's a pretty amazing lunch for a, a young boy. Maybe he had it for his whole family, maybe. So the boy thinks, this isn't enough for everyone, but, but I'll, I'll give it to Jesus. I, I'll trade it. I'll trade it in to Jesus. I'm going to hand it over to Jesus. 
and see what he can do with it, right? So here's one of the great truths that we see in this scripture. Whatever you trade to Jesus, he can get far more out of it than you ever dreamed. Amen? Whatever you trade to Jesus, he can get far more out of it than you ever dreamed. That's, that's one of the great truths of the scripture. So you see, Jesus takes the five loaves, the two fish, he thanks the Father, and I believe he asked the Father's blessing on it. Now, here's what this, this made me think of this. Have you ever thought that whatever you give to Jesus, whether it's your, your time, your energy, your, your thought life, uh, your relationships, uh, your, your money, uh, just any of that, your possessions, uh, just any of that, have you ever thought that whatever you give to Jesus, that he holds it up to the Father and asks the Father's blessing upon it? Because that's what happened here. This young boy gives these, these loaves and fish, and Jesus takes it, and he blesses it. And I believe he just holds it up to the Father and thanks the Father for it. And then something special happens. Because that's what happens when we give to Jesus with the right heart. He holds it up to the Father, and the Father blesses it. And then it's greater. It's greater than it ever could be. So 5,000 men, not counting women and children, Jesus starts distributing food. He breaks a loaf, and there's another. He serves a fish, and there's another. It seems magical, but it's not magic. It's God's provision through what we give him. When we trade in what God has given us, God uses it better and more profitable than we ever could. And he not only does some amazing things with it, but he multiplies it so that there is excess. After all the people were fed to their heart's content, they still had 12 basketfuls left of the bread. And that boy, he couldn't have done this with his loaves and fish in his hands. If he would have held on to the loaves and fish, there's no way he could have fed so many. He could have tried. He could have... He could have really did the math. You know, how many pieces do I have to cut this into? <laughs> but that's what we're forced to do when we don't give it over to Jesus. When we try to figure it out ourselves, when we try to like do it on our own, we're forced to just do the math. And then it's not as good. Okay. Now let me ask you something. I kind of asked you this last week with the, with the widow, with the widow that dropped in her coins into the offering. I kind of asked the same question. I'm going to ask this again. Do you think the boy who supplied the loaves and the fish went away hungry? No way. No way. He didn't go away physically hungry. And he certainly didn't go away spiritually hungry either. He experienced the thrill of a lifetime. He, he didn't have the five loaves and the two fish anymore. But do you think for a moment that he was sorry? <laughs> do, you, do you think for a moment that he said, man, I wish I would have held on to those five loaves and two fish. I would have had all that for myself. 
I don't think that he was sorry. I, I think that he was amazed at what he witnessed. Listen, you, you'll, you'll, never, you'll never be sorry for what you give to Jesus. You'll never be sorry for what you give to Jesus. And so we should do likewise. If, if we're to see the blessing and the, and the depth of what God wants to do in our lives, let us come to Jesus with our loaves and our fish and our hands wide open. Let's pray. Let us be willing traders with the God who does miracles, who cares for us, who we can trust, and who will multiply our gifts. Now, again, I, I, I say this like I said this last week, and, and, I, and I think it's really important for us to understand that you say, well, you know, Pastor, you're, you're talking about money. Yeah, I'm talking about money. But I'm talking about stewardship of life. I'm talking about everything. You know, if we narrow this down to money, we're, we're making it ter- too narrow. Really, we are. I mean, it includes money. But it includes everything. It includes all of life. It includes all of, of how we are living our life and what we are doing with those good gifts that God gives us. So are you a traitor with God? <laughs> it's trading your time for the good of others. It's trading your experiences for others. It's trading your knowledge for others. But listen, we're going to uh, give our, our total, our, 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 our all to God. And as we do that, uh, we're, we're going to understand that God's going to take what we give him and he's going to use it for the good of others. He's going to use it for the the spreading of his gospel. He's going to use it for people knowing him and and understanding what he wants to do in their life. And he wants to do great things in people's lives. Take my loaves and fish and do far more exceedingly abundantly beyond all that I can imagine or think. Isn't that the the beautiful attitude of this young boy with the five loaves and the two fish? Isn't it the beautiful attitude of the widow that dropped in her last two coins? Isn't it the beautiful attitude that all of God's followers need to have? It's the heart that I want to have. It's the heart that I want to have. Nothing is as profitable in life as to coming as coming to God with open hearts and open hands. Amen. All right. You must have prayed for me. I'm done. It's eleven forty eight. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. God is so good to us. Amen. Amen. I, I, I love to give to him of myself. It's a joy and a privilege. And I, 
I believe you can do this. I want to pray for you. Heavenly Father, Lord, as we as we conclude this service, we're God, we're so thankful and and grateful what, for what you have given to us. It's you bless us, Lord, with with all of our needs. You take care of us in so many ways. Lord, you bless us with good gifts all around. There's so much good that you give us, Lord, whether it's through time, energy, knowledge. Lord, we thank you and praise you for all of those good gifts. And we want to take those things and we want to give back to you. We want to give you, Lord, and to you in such a way that we say, God, use, use me, use my life. Use my things, use my stuff. Use all that you've given me so that more people will know you. More people will hear about you. More people will experience you. What a privilege and honor it is to be in the shoes of the, the widow that gave her last two coins. The young boy that gave his lunch. We want to follow their lead. We want to follow their example. We want to be able to give in such a way that we trust you, that we believe that you can do far more with it than what we could if we held on to it tightly. Lord, we think of the rich young ruler and how he held on to his stuff. And God, he missed out on so much of what you wanted in his life. May we not be that way. May we be in a living in a way that we'll look back and we'll say, boy, I don't miss the stuff. I'm so glad I have Jesus. Lord, we commit our hearts to you today. We commit our lives to you today. Lord, if there's anyone here today that uh, they've been struggling with, with the way they give back, I just want to pray that uh, you'll just minister to their heart right now. Give them uh, the assurance that they can trust you. You're a trustworthy trading partner. They can trust you, Lord, by opening their hands to you and giving out of a grateful, joyful heart. Bless us now, Lord, as we, as we sing, as we get prepared to leave this day and go into the rest of our day honoring you and living for you. Love you, God. We thank you for loving us. We thank you for everyone here and all those online. Bless them, God, abundantly and richly.